0: your Bibles if you would this morning and turn to John chapter 6, John chapter 6, John chapter 6 this morning and we're going to start with verse 47, this is a lengthy passage, there's so much wonderful truth here, but I also want us to begin in John chapter 6 verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him." As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead, he that eateth this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this said, This is a hard saying. Who shall hear it? Who can hear it? Then Jesus knew it himself that his disciples murmured at at it. And he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, is it the Spirit that quickeneth? The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew that from the beginning... Who they were that believeth not, and who should be betrayed them. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus Jesus answered them, having, Have I not chose you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray. Father, I ask, that you would come and speak through your spirit, empowered with your word, to your people here today. Again, I ask that you do what I cannot do, that you would speak to the hearts, to the lives of the people before me, and the people who hear this, maybe all over the world. Thank you for the opportunity, again, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ I pray that each one of us today would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless this time, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A North Carolina native by the name of Luther Bridges was preaching at the age of 17. He went to Kentucky, to Asbury College, and there, for too long, met his wife, Sarah. Him and Sarah got married, and they had three wonderful beautiful boys, and he was used greatly of God in evangelism in that area of the country. One day, he was invited to a revival, a two-week revival in a church, and he sent his wife and three boys to his mother-in-law's house. And now he was preaching, and things were going well, people were getting saved, and great revival was happening in the churches that he was preaching in. One night, late one night, he got a message that something had happened in his father-in-law's house, that there was a fire. And that fire, his father-in-law mother-in-law survived, but his wife and three children all died. And of course, grief-stricken, he asked himself, and of course asked God, why? Why? There are times in our lives, though we may not verbalize it, that we ask, God, why? I just finished reading the New Testament and I'm always amazed at the new things I find as I read the Word of God. Not new to the Word of God, but new in how they impact me. And one of the things that I realized reading the New Testament, this time reading, is how many people were offended at Jesus Christ. I think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They wanted a king to come rule over them and uh, and destroy the the Romans and take over and be the religious ruler of the day. But unfortunately, they didn't have that king. They had a suffering servant who died for their sins and for the sins of all mankind. Jesus' own mother and, and brother and sister sometimes were offended in Him. The Bible says, in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, that Jesus said of them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. The Bible tells us in John chapter 7, verse 5, For neither did his brethren believe in him. His own family sometimes did not believe in him. You think, well, how about John the Baptist, the one who said, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, the one who leapt in his mother's womb when Mary came and visited Elizabeth. Surely John would believe in Jesus and trust in him his whole life. But there was a time when John was in prison, and he sent a message to the disciples, which asked, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus responded, Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. From their perspective, at that moment, Jesus had failed to meet their expectations. And I believe there'll be times in our life, and there's been time in my life, from at that moment and from my perspective, that I thought that Jesus had failed me. Let me give you some background of the passage that we read this morning. Of course, this, this was the time where Jesus fed the 5,000. Actually, it was more like 20,000 because they had, he had, they had counted only the men. Because of this great pe- uh, miracle, the people wanted a king. And who? hey, why not? This can, if this person can do miracles and make bread, why not set him up to be a king? But of course, Jesus departs. He goes to, the, to a mountain. Disciples go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus then comes to the disciples walking on water. Uh, they are afraid, and a great miracle is done there. But Jesus gets onto the other side of the sea, the, the land of Capernaum, the city of Capernaum. And, of course, the disciples meet him there, and, and all the people that had gotten bread come to this area looking for Jesus again, wanting more from him. What can we learn from this passage of Scripture this morning? Some applications we can take from from John chapter 6, the passage that I read prior to this. The first one this morning is, I think often we seek Jesus not for who He is, but what He can do for us. We seek Jesus not for for who He is, but what He can do for us. I grew up thinking that man, once I become a Christian, that my life would get better. But just because you become a Christian, it does not mean that your life will get better temporarily. I was hoping maybe for a better family life, better friends, better things, better stuff, better life. But the decision that I made to trust Jesus Christ As my personal savior in a religious home made it harder for me as a son. More difficult for me as a brother. Harder for me at the public school. Everything was not easier. It was more difficult. And I thought it would be better. You see, the crowd here in John chapter 6 were not moved to get closer to Jesus because of their hungering hearts for Him. They came because of their empty bellies. And I believe sometimes we seek Jesus not for what He can do for us spiritually, but only for what He can do for us physically. What is it in it for us? Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth it, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give give unto you, for him that God the Father hath sealed. Instead of begging for that which is eternal, we must appreciate what Christ has done for us eternally, that he has freed me from the, Power of sin in my life. That He's guaranteed me a home in heaven. That He's going to someday release me from these aging bodies that seem to be prone to be in pain. He is going to give me everlasting peace. No more noisy neighbors in the middle of the night and dogs barking, waking me up. What a day that will be. Think of all the woes that you and I struggle with temporally. Aren't they worth what Jesus Christ has done for us eternally? But the flesh focuses on the now. But the spirit focuses on that which is eternal. You see, if we truly realize what Jesus has done for us, we won't ask more bread, that which we see. We will ask for that which we cannot see. A growing relationship with Christ and the opportunity to share the life of Christ with others. Sometimes we focus on that which we can see now instead of focusing on that which we cannot see. Secondly, not only do we sometimes come to Jesus because of what He can give us, sometimes we want Jesus to answer our questions, and He simply wants us to believe in Him. Do you have questions? When difficult times come, do you have questions? You wonder why. With these followers, this crowd had questions. The first question was in John six twenty eight when they said unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? The second question was in John 6, verse 30. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou that we may see and believe? What doest thou work? Jesus answers in verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him that sent me. Verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye have seen me and believe not. Oftentimes we have questions in our life. How can I have a relationship with God? Yesterday on visitation, my son and I were out in San Carlos Park and the first door I knocked on, a man came out. Obviously he was the father of the home. I could hear the little kids behind him. Thankfully a dog didn't come chew my leg off. I heard him though and I was ready. At least I was going to let Micah go first and I was going to (laughs) run. I got more meat on my bones, so I know who he's after. (laughs) And I asked him, if you were to die today, how do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? And he said to me, I really, really tried to be a good person. And if you ask most people today, how do they know for sure if they were to die to go to heaven? They would tell you something like that. I've tried to be a good person. I've done good to other people. And this is what the crowd was saying to him. Lord, we want more bread. We want more things from you. We want more stuff. How can we get it? What work do we have to do? What sign, do you, what sign can you show us? What, what, what do we have to do to, to make this happen? And Jesus is not looking for the work. He's not looking for the trying. He's not looking for us to to seek some type of sign. He simply wants us to believe. But believe seems so simple, doesn't it? Because we're in a society that everything we do, we must work for it. And I believe working for it, don't you? But when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not so much what we do physically, but who we trust in spiritually. We have questions like, why did that Christian family from Temple Baptist Church die in that car wreck? Why did that missionary in Cameroon die? He was just there for a few weeks. I don't always have the answers to questions. A lot of times people come to me with questions like that. And I, don't remind, I remind them that I don't have all the answers, but I remind them that the Word of God is true and that Jesus is the answer. You see, we have the wonderful resource of the, resource of the Word of God, and we can trust in His Word. We have the availability of having a relationship, a personal relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This is not a religion that we work to obtain, to get, to gain favor. This is a relationship that we can have with a person. He walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known in the garden. We have the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that encourage us and help us and challenge us and provoke us unto good works. Thank God for His, His Word. Thank God for the relationships we can have with God, the Son, and the Spirit. And thank God for the church He's given us. Jesus did not come to answer all our questions. He is the answer. He is the Creator, the Say our Savior, our Lord, who died to save us from our sins. I love what He said in John chapter 6, verse 54. 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I give is my flesh, which I shall give for life of the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's easy to focus on the why, isn't it? But instead of focusing on the why, I encourage you to focus on the who. When my mom died at 55, I focused on the why. My wife's dad is struggling physically. And we focus on the why. You have loved ones. Some of you are sick. And it's easy to focus on the why. But in the why, there is chaos and the confusion. But when I focus on the who, who I know is good, and the Bible says His way is perfect, there I find peace in a troubled storm. Often we look for Him only because we want something from Him. Often we seek Him only to satisfy our own answers. And thirdly, sometimes we tend to walk away from Him when things are difficult. But I encourage you this morning... Though things may be difficult for you today, keep following Him. Jesus had told the disciples some hard sayings. John chapter 6, verse 53. And Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye shall have no life in you. How do they respond to that? Verse 60. Many, therefore, of the disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can can hear it? And Jesus knew in himself, the disciples murmured at it. He said to them, does this offend you? And it seems like a hard saying, doesn't it? Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. This is not cannibalism and neither is it communion. He was saying, take part of me. He used uh, metaphors that are physical to explain a spiritual truth. Just like he said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Just like he said to the woman at the well, Drink of me, the living water, and you shall never thirst again. To these disciples, he's saying, eat of me, follow me. Follow me. A part of my flesh wants to say, Jesus, you're not doing it right. <laughs> tell them, tell them really that you're, you're talking about spiritual truth, not physical truth. Tell them and they'll believe. Don't you sometimes in the hard, difficult things of life, you want Jesus just to explain himself. Lord, if you'll just tell me, if you'll just show me, if you'll just help me to believe, I'll follow you. But instead of that, he said, I'm not, that's not the time. I just want you to follow. I just want you to follow. I had a false view of God because I believed, man, if I surrendered my will, if I did everything he wants me to do, then surely not only will I be saved and I'll go to heaven, but, man, things in this life as a disciple of Christ, as a pastor, as a preacher, things will surely go well. But the reality is we will lose friends and family in this life. There is no guarantee of financial security no matter what plan you're on you may lose your health. You may lose your freedoms. And though we lose all those things, Christ, you can never lose. Christ, you can never lose. The Bible says in John 6, 66, And from this time men and disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Simon Peter, he got it right this time. He said, Lord, to whom shall we, shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Difficult time may come in all of our lives. And the question will be, where will we go? What will we do? Where will we flee to? Isn't that the first thing we want to do when difficult times come and trouble or bad news comes? Let's just go. Let's flee. Let's get out of here. Something's not right. It's our natural reaction to pain and problems and troubles of this life. But as Simon Peter said, where can we go? Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. It's Jesus. Jesus. My time as an assistant pastor and youth pastor, I've seen many people flee. And the reality of all of us, when times of trouble come, we're all tempted to flee. Friends, that's why this book has to be not just something we bring on Sundays and we put it on our lap. It must be our life. The church cannot be something we just come to on Sunday mornings for our conscience sake. It should be a part of our life. Our relationship with Jesus Christ should not be just something that we pray to him when we eat and when we get laid down to sleep. Our relationship, our communication with God must be part of our life. If these are not part of our life, when the storms of life come and batter us, we will be broken. Because our trust is in the temporal and what we can see instead of the eternal who we cannot right now see. Throughout the year, many people will come to my office and they're seeking monetary help. By the grace of God, many times we're able to help them. But I always remind them, though I may be able to help you monetarily right now, the greater need that you you have is not food, nor rent bill, nor power bill. Your greatest need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Difficulty may come. How will we respond to it? Will we act in anger, run away? Because we fully don't understand? Or will we trust in God who is good? I love Psalm 18 verse 30. The Bible says, "For as, As for God, His way is perfect. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all that trust in Him. Do you believe that this morning? It's easy to say, I believe it when you're feeling well and all is well with your life and your soul. But in the valley of the shadow of death, will you fear? Or will you fear no evil? Luther Bridges. Remember Luther Bridges? Lost his wife. Three young boys. For a time, he was greatly depressed and almost suicidal. But he did what all of us should do when we go through troubles. He went back to the Word of God. And in particular, he went to Psalm 91, verse 1, which reads, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he meditated, and he memorized, and he focused on what God had for him. And he realized that God was not trying to hurt him. God was trying to help him. And he wrote this wonderful song. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still, in of all life's ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Out of tragedy, triumph. of tragedy. Triumph. Like the crowd, you may have questions. I can't promise you all the answers, but I can tell you that Jesus is our only hope. You may seek for things in this life that are monetary and temporal, but I can promise you Jesus the eternal can give you everlasting life. Don't turn away from him. He's not failed you. He's not failed me. He loves us and promises an everlasting relationship with every one of us who believes. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, God, for the difficulties. How hard it is to say sometimes in the midst of those things, but Lord, we thank you, God, that through the pruning and troubles of life, you help us, Lord, draw closer to you How easy it is, Lord, to be apathetic. How easy it is, Lord, to go through the motions. But you draw us to you over and over and over over, through circumstances and trials and problems and pain. Help us, Lord, not get bitter or mad or angry, but be thankful for all that you are doing in our lives for your way is perfect. Your way is perfect. May we believe that past what our senses tell us. May we believe that past our circumstances. May we we believe that past our feelings. That your way is perfect. I pray, Lord, for those in this room, maybe some who do not know you, but maybe through the problems of life, you're drawing them to yourself. I pray for those who do know you, some disciples who are maybe even now contemplating walking away like these disciples did because of hardness, because of trouble, because of problems. May they not flee from you but draw closer to you. Spirit of the living God, do your work in the hearts of these people in front of me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website